Hey, thank you so much for joining me today. My name is Kayla Chapman and welcome to the very, very first episode of The Mindset Source. I'm so excited that you're here. This podcast was created to share my insight into my own mindset journey and I hope that you can find some takeaways and use it in your own journey. It'll be kind of less of like a, here's 10 steps to build confidence or be resilient. It'll be more of me using my own experiences and things that I've been through. And um, I challenge you to find how it's relatable in whatever you're currently going through, whether it's sports and fitness or you know your career or just life in general. I've felt for a very long time that my purpose, I suppose, is to serve others. And I want to be able to do that through this podcast and reach people that I normally wouldn't have kind of everyday contact with. So today's first episode, we are just going to do kind of a short story long about my upbringing and my background in sports and fitness and kind of how this um, that evolved into creating this podcast. So I currently live in South Australia, but if you've picked up on my accent already, you know that I ain't from here. So I'm originally from the US and most of my upbringing, I was raised in a town called Fayetteville, Arkansas. So if you're Australian and you're like, what the heck is Arkansas? Where is that? It is east of Texas, right above Louisiana. So it's kind of like the Midwest Southern area. And in that Midwest Southern part, you're in the Bible Belt. So you know, church and prayer and those kind of traditions run quite deep in that area. And so not only was I raised there, but my grandfather was also a pastor and a missionary. So, you know, religion was already kind of ingrained in me and it probably would have been no matter where I lived. But um, yeah, so before we moved to Fayetteville, we had actually followed my grandpa to different states. So originally I was born in Texas and then we moved to kind of like the Kansas side of Kansas City. And, and then finally moved to Arkansas. So he was placed at different churches and we just kind of followed him around. And then once we moved to Arkansas, that was kind of like our final place um, because my grandfather had um, retired in Northwest Arkansas. And because they had moved around a lot when my mom was younger, she wanted her kids to stay in one place. So I would have lived in Fayetteville from the time I was six until I went off to college. So about, um, well, really until I got married because I had, um, you know, came back home and things like that for college. So until I was about early 20s and looking back at my childhood, you know, I had a really great childhood. We had lots of fun and, you know, we were really loved, but we definitely grew up lower middle class or, you know, I don't want to use the word poor because I'm sure there's, you know, people that had a lot less than we did, but we were definitely living paycheck to paycheck and, you know, accounts were overdrawn all the time, but we, um, Actually, the first house that we lived in was in Arkansas was a mobile home. So, like, we're talking a house cut into coming down the highway, and then they kind of like put it together. So, lived in a mobile home on a dirt road. <laughs> it's pretty country, but um, yeah, that was my upbringing. We had a lot of land, and we lived the area that I lived in. We kind of had all of our cousins, and my grandparents were next door, and that sort of thing. So, yeah, very Arkansas kind of upbringing. But I really think that the combination of my religious upbringing and being outside and on a dirt road a lot, I think that is kind of what started everything as far as my mindset and as far as like athletics. So because we grew up not having a whole lot, I kind of always prayed that God would provide and that he would, you know, make sure that we were okay and that we were safe and everything. So I think from then I had always like a positive mindset and a positive outlook on life and I just knew everything was okay 
because I had that faith in God. And and then we're put in a place where we're on a dirt road, we're outside, we've got cousins that are our same age. We're outside a lot, we're running, we're walking, we're riding our bikes and you know, we had my dirt road was half a mile long one way, so in the summers we'd be like, Hey, let's go to the end of the road and back and that was just like our thing, like, Oh, we're gonna go ride our bikes to the end of the road and back or let's go for a walk to the end of the road and back. And, um, yeah, love that little dirt road. It's actually where I learned how to drive. <laughs> First, it started off on like my parents' lap and then, yeah. So, um, love that cute little dirt road, but we were outside a lot. And a few of my cousins had, um, grown up being fishermen or they were professional fishermen. And so, you know, we'd go down to the Creek and we'd try and catch tadpoles and stuff. So yeah, very, very Southern Arkansas upbringing. And in addition to that, the people in my life, um, you know, like my grandpa and my uncles and my dad and things like that, they had grown up playing sports as well. So I think it was just kind of inevitable that we would be active kids. And um, my grandpa and his uncle played basketball and um, my dad played a lot of different sports and even to this day still plays like racquetball and things like that. So yeah, my sister played basketball I even played basketball for a little bit, but my true calling and my passion, I guess, was gymnastics at the time. That was around the time. So I was born in 90. So by the time the 96 Olympics came around in Atlanta, um, you know, we were watching a lot of gymnastics. And so I was just like, oh, I've got to do that. So I started taking gymnastics class, um, gymnastics classes. And another kind of big tradition that runs deep in the South is college sports, like it's a whole other level. So because we were in the hometown of the University of Arkansas, we went to a game and I just remember seeing the U of A cheerleaders come out and they do this pyramid and they create the shape of an A, which I guess is like a pyramid, a pyramid in the shape of an A, that's the same thing, but they do it to try and do A for Arkansas and they put up the Arkansas flag behind them and when they build the structure they move around in a circle and kind of yeah like turn to all faces of the arena and I just was like wow they are gorgeous that is so cool I want to do that so I think kind of like the acrobatic side and the stunting the acrobatic side of gymnastics so the tumbling and you know seeing the U of A cheerleaders stunt like that I was just like cheer like that's when I wanted to be a cheerleader so I see this, decide I want to be a cheerleader, and somehow convince my mom into letting me take a tumbling class at the Williams Center. And so I did that. But at that time, all-star cheer wasn't a thing, or if it was, I just didn't know about it. And even if I did, we probably couldn't afford it. So I'm in these tumbling classes. I'm 10 years old, and but I can't actually be on a cheer team until I'm old enough or in junior high to try out for the school team there. So we've got junior high, high school, and college cheer that you can do in school. So I had to wait till then. So pretty much just took tumbling classes for three years. And then uh, when it came time to try out for my junior high, I made that, did that for two years. And, you know, I really enjoyed it. Like I loved tumbling. I loved stunting. I loved just every aspect of it. And, you know, like the teamwork. So I think that's kind of when, like when I started cheer, I didn't really have any goals of where I wanted to go. So I think in junior high is really where it started my goals. So I wanted to learn how to do a red off back handspring full. And it's funny because I wanted that because I thought at that time that was like the hardest skill that you could ever do in cheer. 
like, yep, you learn a full and you're done. You literally don't have to learn any more skills, <laughs> which is really funny and pretty embarrassing to actually admit because I was a tumbling coach um, not too long ago and or for the long time I was a tumbling coach. And yeah, that's probably like one of the most basic skills if you're an elite level tumbler or you know, high level cheerleader. But anyway, so I wanted a round off my hands ring full. So I got that. And um, so I got that in junior high. And then at that time, I was like, okay, I really still love cheer. I want to keep doing this. So my next step was to do it in high school. So I tried out for my high school cheer team made that. And actually, I think a year before that, maybe in like my last year of junior high is when I discovered all star cheer. So that is when it kind of became known to me. I had some friends that were involved in some local clubs there in Fayetteville and again, couldn't afford it and had to really talk my mom into it. But um, yeah, so I think when I was 14 is when I started doing both school and all-star cheer. And that was also around the time that I discovered National Cheerleaders Association. So NCA is an organization really big in the cheer industry and they do, they organize cheer camps, they do competitions, and so my first experience with NCA was going to those cheer camps in junior high. So ever since then, I kind of just always loved NCA. Um, you have an NCA staff called a buddy and they're kind of like your coach for that week. So they help you with skills and, you know, you're learning these cheers and chants and different things like that. So I was just like, wow, NCA is so cool. And they do a competition every year. NCA Nationals, that's in Daytona, Florida, every April and you know once high school was kind of wrapping up that was my second big massive goal i was like i am coming to an end in my high school i know that i want to keep cheering but not only do i want to keep cheering i am thinking of this different criteria and what i want out of my cheer career because i want to advance it a bit more so number one i want to cheer in college number two i want to cheer at a school that competes at ncaa nationals in daytona every year and number three, not only that, but I want to try out for a team that consistently places top three in their category because for I want a national championship. I want a ring. I want a jacket. I want to do all that stuff. So that was kind of my goal setting, I guess, going into college. But unfortunately, I was just a little social butterfly, didn't really care about school and partied a lot in high school and didn't actually get into the school that I wanted to, so which was the University of Central Arkansas in Conway. And so I actually didn't go to school for a year after high school. It took like an unintended gap year and not the kind of gap year where I went like gallivanting around Europe. It was, okay, you didn't get in the school that you want. What the fuck are you going to do? So I actually continued um, cheering in All-Star because... At that time, on a senior level team, you could still cheer until you were 19. So I cheered all-star and you know worked a part-time job and tried to save money. And then I had a former teammate tell me about this school that he went to. It was a junior college called Northeastern Oklahoma A&M, and it's in a town called Miami, Oklahoma, spelled like Miami, but pronounced like Miami. And so you know, he's like, you've got these skills, you can probably get a full ride scholarship. So I ended up trying out and, um, you know, getting accepted there, which was good because I could, you know, cheer in college, keep up my skills. And really from then, that was kind of, even though I didn't want to go to this junior college, I knew, okay, this is my way in to be able to transfer to UCA the following year. So before 
you know, I even went to NEO. I was like, this is the plan. I'm not going to stick around. I'm going to stay here for a year, do what I need to do, and then transfer to UCA. And that's eventually what happened. So I got really good grades that year and, you know, the schooling was pretty cheap. So it all kind of worked out in my favor, which was good. And NEO is actually where I met Lane. So <laughs> if it wasn't for all that and all that run around, then I um, wouldn't be here today, actually. So fast forward to the next year. I try out for UCA. I make it there, get accepted. And that's all great. And I only spent two years at UCA, but you guys, that honestly was the best two years of my entire life. And I'll tell you why. Like, I actually just still get so emotional just thinking about my time at UCA because it was, it was just so good. <laughs> so first you're put in this environment, you know, you're out of the home for the first time, you're by yourself, and... Honestly, you're just discovering who the fuck you are. And if you've ever had a time of self-discovery, it's the most freeing and most amazing experience ever. So, you know, you're away from your home and you can just kind of let your hair down and, you know, you don't have as many rules and you can just be yourself, figure out who you are, what you like, what you don't like. And, and then you're in this environment of a cheerleading team and, you know, you have... 20, 30 people that honestly, they just become your best friends because you have that trust. And because of that trust, you know, I'm trusting that you are going to catch me when I fall. And I'm trusting that you are going to protect me at all costs. And you, you know, you create that bond through that trust and it makes you feel secure. And, you know, you have those connections with people and honestly, you become like 20 best friends. And then you're being challenged in a way with your skills. So you're leveling up, you know, you're doing all these reps, you're getting into really good shape and you're getting new skills and learning new things. And so, yeah, it's just, and even the mindset, you know, a lot of the kind of resounding things that we said a lot in our practices were, you know, get your head right and hit your shit, no excuses. And that very like, you know, you, you have to be accountable for your shit and, you know, you've got to you've got to be there level up. Like we, we had to go to open gyms and open gyms for a lot of teams are optional, but like it was kind of, I mean, I guess you probably could have not gone, but if you didn't go, it was like, why the fuck aren't you going to open gym? Why aren't you trying to get better? Like, why are you here? So, you know, for me, I was there because I wanted to win. I wanted to win a national championship. And, you know, a lot of people you can do cheer because oh, I want to have fun. Like, no, I wanted to get there and I wanted to fucking win and I wanted to be the best version of myself possible. And, you know, these practices were really intense, especially leading up to competition season. So, you know, that January through April period, when you're getting ready for Daytona season, you're doing heaps of full outs. And then, you know, in March, you've got, you've got hell week. And, you know, so you're doing multiple practices a day, and then we're running these full outs, and then we're doing sprints for our mistakes. Like we're throwing up, we're just, oh, it's just the most uncomfortable but satisfying thing ever like just to push past what you think your limits are and you just fucking knock down all those doors of what you think you're capable of and you reach past that and then the next time you reach a little bit further and you're like I'm so sore how can I possibly even stand let alone do this you know two minutes and 15 seconds routine of going balls to the wall full out and you just like it happens i don't know by the motherfucking grace of god is how it happens because that was like the most that i've ever put my body through anything and yeah you know and my hope now is that when i do bring up my cheerleading experience to someone they're not like oh my god is it like bring it on because i'm like 
fuck right off. And now I can be like, no, bitch, it's like Netflix cheer where, you know, they're like getting hurt and throwing up and like, it's just such a mental game. And like, you doubt yourself and you fall and, you know, there's all these like, it's just, it's so intense. And, you know, if not done right, like it it is so dangerous. And that's why, you know, that trust and that bond with your teammates are so important because I've been on teams where we have that trust and that connection and we're unstoppable. And then I've been on teams where you don't really gel as well and you don't trust each other and that shows in your performance. So, you know, the better you have that cohesion, then the better the environment is for you to thrive. And I really feel like I thrived at the University of Central Arkansas. And, you know, I'm sure I have teammates that are like, yeah, cheers there, that was great. That was a different time in my life. But honestly, I cheer made me who I am because of that experience at UCA. Like that's literally why I got into bodybuilding, which I'll touch on that a little bit later when I get to that point. But um, yeah, it, it literally made me who I am today. It made me, it helped me with my confidence and you know, maybe I'm, I'm probably a little bit too trusting of people actually, because, you know, I'll meet a stranger and I'm like, Hey, let's stunt, you know, but um, yeah, it's just, it's, it's an experience like no other. From the outside looking in, you don't understand it, but from the inside looking out, you can't explain it. So I had cheered at UCA for two years, gone to Daytona twice, and as good as it was for me, there's a lot of downsides to it. So the sacrifice and kind of the things that I had to give up in my college experience, I was just like, wow, this is like, and I was happy to do it, but I remember having a conversation with someone, it was January. And they're like, oh, what are you doing for the Super Bowl? And I was like, I have training. And they're like, oh, well, what are you doing for your birthday? And I was like, well, we're going to be in Shreveport, Louisiana, doing a competition for a fundraiser for nationals. And they're like, oh, okay, well, what are you doing for spring break? And I was like, well, I have hell week, so I'm going to be practicing, you know, twice a day, three times a day, whatever. And it was then that I was like, wow, like, I don't get to do shit. But again, I was happy to do it. Like when I'm when I'm in something and I'm involved in that, then I understand that there are sacrifices and they do have to be made and that's fine. And, you know, trust me, I still got my college experience of partying and, you know, socializing and getting to know people and everything like that. But I was just like, wow, like it really puts it into perspective of everything that you're giving up. But that goal at the time was super important. But alongside that, you know, you're tumbling on a dead mat. So it's really bad on your joints. And like, I had never had scoliosis until my early twenties. And I think that's just a result of cheering. And, you know, I had knee problems and I'd gotten heaps of concussions and different things like that, um, from being dropped. So, you know, there was that. And at that time I was still dating Lane. So we were doing that long distance. And then my parents moved to Colorado. So I was like, I just, I really need a break. I'm no longer doing well in school. Like I'm just partying too much because I'm just so tired and exhausted from cheer. And it was just so much and I I needed a break. So I decided to transfer after my second year at UCA. And at that point, Lane had moved on to Missouri State University. So I moved to Springfield, Missouri, which is still kind of in that tri-state area. And I would then finish my degree at Missouri State. And, you know, when I moved there, it was not to cheer. It was to get a kind of get away from cheer and just, you know, rest and relax. Well, not really rest and relax, but just, you know, I was, I was just wasn't going to cheer. And also because Missouri State competes at Universal 
Cheerleaders Association Nationals, and that's in January in Orlando. And I was just like, no, NCA all the way. So I didn't really want to cheer there. But what I did is I ended up having to get a job and I worked at a gym called Ozark Mountain Gymnastics and they did have a cheer program. So I started off coaching gymnastics and, you know, rec classes and things like that. And eventually that job evolved into something bigger and got more responsibilities and things like that. So, and I actually did my internship. Um, I did sports and recreation as a major in college and was able to do my final internship my senior year there. So I did like a bit of marketing and um, uh, like office management things. And I trained the new coaches coming in. So I taught them how to teach the class, basically how to spot, what skills to look for, uh, what skills they're doing, how they execute the skills. But then I ended up getting back into cheer, I think after a year there. So we had an international open level five team. And originally I stepped in for one competition because somebody got hurt. I was like, yeah, sure. But just this one, like I'm retired. I don't want to be doing this again. Like there are reasons why I stopped doing this. And um, so yeah, I just did one competition. And then the following year they were like, cheer the full season. And I was like, uh, okay, because I cannot say no to cheerleading It is just the love of my life and I just I yeah I have such a connection to it that I was like I literally cannot say no to this and because it was on spring floor now you know after cheering on dead floor for so long a spring floor is just like glorious for your muscles and your joints it's so much easier so yeah I came out of retirement and did that full season then and cheer uh, coached some of my own cheer teams as well I coached um, first team I ever coached was a junior level two cheer team. We won a national championship that year. That was really great. So yeah, that time was super special for me. So as time went on, we were now in, well, I was now in Springfield for two years and I was about to graduate. I think Lane had graduated before me and, you know, we were kind of like, what's next? I'd applied for different cheer jobs. My dream job at that time, I think was to, um, like I wanted to work for Jamfest. I wanted to be an event organizer and event coordinator for Jamfest cheerleading competitions. So, um, but that didn't really like, I mean, I just had no experience, you know what I mean? And so I think even if that job came available today, like I would just jump right at it because, you know, but I mean, cheer where I'm at right now in South Australia, like there's just no money in it to the scale of what I want it to be. So like, you know, coaching, don't make a whole lot of money, um, you know, and if I wanted to be a comp event organizer, then I couldn't do it in Australia, or if I did then, or I mean, South Australia. But anyways, so Lane and I were kind of at this point of what's next. So we decided to move. And um, we were thinking of Austin, Texas. But then so I'm going to backtrack, actually. When he was five, his family moved to Australia. They, they're, um, they lived in the Brighton area. And then they moved back when he was 15. So when his older brother was about to start college, he wanted to play soccer in the U.S. So they moved back. So Lane has Australian citizenship from his 10 years living in Australia. And it's funny because when I met him, he, you know, he mentioned that he lived in Australia, but I could never remember the name of where he lived. I was like, what's Adelaide? And it's funny because now I live here. But I actually had a friend uh, that I cheered with in junior high and she married 
this guy who is also an Australian citizen, and they were living in Sydney. And so I was like, hey, um, what was your visa process like? How much did it cost? How long did it take? Give me all the details. And, you know, what she came back to me with sounded really reasonable. So I was like, hey, Lane, what do you think about moving to Australia? Because he'd always talked about coming back. And I shit you not, his first reaction was, oh, no, like maybe when we, re we retire. And me being a girl that cannot wait for anything, I was like, no, we're doing it now. We've just got married. We've got the money. You know, we were in this point in our life where we're not getting into these careers that we want to be. We're applying for these jobs. We're getting turned down. Let's do something crazy. So, you know, kind of two days went by, I think, and he was like, all right, yeah, let's do it. So paid the money, applied for the application. And so this was October of 2015. And I didn't tell anybody. I didn't tell any of my friends. I told my parents and my family at Christmas. I was like, hey, by the way, you know, I haven't heard any word yet if I my visa's been accepted, but I've applied for a visa to move to Australia. So that could happen. Um, but I didn't tell anybody else because if it didn't come through, I didn't want to be like, oh my gosh, guys, I'm moving to Australia. And then it didn't happen. And then I looked like an idiot. So I think I waited for about six months. And then in April of 2016, I was sitting at work in the office with my friend Becky. I get an email from Australian Immigration. I open it up and I didn't even tell Becky. I was just like, I need to go home quickly. Lived like 10 minutes down the road. I was like, I need to go home. I'll be right back. So I literally speed home. Lane was working at a hotel at that point. He was on night shift. So he was sleeping. This was like 10 or 11 in the morning. He was sleeping. I dash in the door and I'm like, Lane, read this email. And it was my acceptance letter saying that I was now able, like my visa was approved and I was now able to enter the country. So um, yeah, we had like this mini freak out. And then I was like, okay, but I got to get back to work. And then when I got back to the office, I was like, hey, Becky, I'm moving to Australia. And then kind of started telling everybody. And then, yeah, literally a month later, we landed in Australia. And it's funny because we had only just gotten married a couple of years ago. So we had all this brand new shit from our registry, you know, like all these pots and pans and plates and all this nice stuff. And we literally just got rid of everything. A lot of it we gave away to our family and different things like that. But um, yeah, we packed three suitcases a piece, which if you ask Lane, he'll tell you that I stole like half of one of his medium-sized suitcases. So I had a little bit more stuff to bring. But yeah, three suitcases a piece and um, bought a one-way flight. And, you know, we told ourselves like, if it doesn't work out, if we don't get jobs right away, worst case scenario, we'll just come back. And it was funsies, you know? So we um, didn't have any jobs when we got here. We lived with a family friend that he had, like they had known when he lived here before. So that was really great. We didn't have to pay rent. And because we were applying for jobs, but we didn't have money, you know, like our goal was to save as much money as possible and not go crazy with spending all this money. So we got these, like, they look like burner phones. They're like, yeah, like a little Nokia. I don't even know what it was called, but the one where you have to like type the letter in three times, like some old school to early 2000s shit. So yeah, we had these tiny little phones and um, I got the first job in July, I think. And that was with um, a travel agency. And it's funny because when we moved here, I was like, I'm not driving. The one time that I did drive, he like freaked out because he thought I was doing something wrong, which I wasn't. Um, but it freaked me out. So I was like, no, I'm not fucking driving ever again. Um, but then I got a job and yeah, so I was forced to drive. So, um, but I love it now actually. <laughs> so yeah, once we got settled, 
had jobs and were kind of building this life. Um, you know, we had the money to get a gym membership then and to get a car and different things like that and get our own apartment. So we were kind of establishing our independence here in Australia. And I had always been chasing the experience that I had in college. I wanted to push myself beyond my mental limits, beyond my physical limits, push past what the fuck I thought I could do and, you know, unlock new levels as such. And so I was like, I don't want to be cheerleading a little bit old for that now. Um, you know, I don't want to be in a team sport, but what can I do that will still keep me in shape, keep me active, push myself mentally, push myself physically, and I still want to be competitive. So that was kind of my criteria for what do I do next? And at that time, you know, I had done cheer with a couple people who had done bodybuilding competitions. But at that time when I knew them, I was like, wow, that is so weird. Like, why are you so orange posing? Like, that's so cringe. And you know what? Bodybuilding is pretty cringe if you think about it. But um, I decided that's what I wanted to do next. So I did a bit of research on the process and, you know, the cutting and things like that. And I was like, yeah, I think this sounds like me. So my next step was to go to a competition here locally to see it in person. You know, is this even what I want to do? And so I think I went to the A and B, I think this was, yeah, 2017 now in April, I went to the A and B show and, um, that's when I saw Annie for the first time. She won that show. She looked stunning. And I was like, I need to know who this girl is. I need to know who coaches her because that's who I want to coach me. So as us ladies do, we do our little Instagram investigatory, <laughs> whatever you want to call it, and um, figured out her name, figured out who coached her, and um, that was Callie. So I reached out to her, and I was like, hey, this is my background. This is what my body looks like at the moment. This is what I want to do. What do you think? And she's like, yep, let's get started. So that was April of 2017, and then I did like a full off-season and my first time that I stepped on stage was at ICN in season A, 2018. And then I did A and B that same season. And my first season was an experience, y'all. Like I, you know, this was uncharted territory. I'd never done this before. I didn't know what to expect. And I definitely struggled my first season. And, you know, maybe knowing what I know now about the industry, I don't know if I could have applied more or, you know, if it was just... I don't know, but I feel like my mindset towards it then was if I don't like the way I look, then at the end of the day, I just won't step on stage, you know, like there's no lost situation here. Then I just like won't do it or, you know, I'll have a plan B or something. So I didn't really tell anybody. And um, but after I competed, I loved it and I was like, yes, let's keep going with this. Um, but I really struggled with my nutrition at that point and, you know, just being hungry and stuff. So I actually like binged these random lemon granola bars the Friday before peak week of ICN. Like I just was like, fuck, I'm so hungry and just like went to town, but you know, ended up doing okay. I think I got like a third and a second that year in fitness, ICN fitness and sports model. And then I did A and B a couple weeks later and actually won the overall in that one. So that was cool. But um, I think it was only against one other person. Um, so it's quite small, but, you know, win's a win, I suppose. And um, yeah, so I was like, I definitely want to keep doing this. But girl, you need to work on your fucking mindset. And at this point, a friend of mine had made a post from Ed Milet, reposted something from him. And 
Um, so then I started listening to his podcast and, you know, he has a really great podcast about self-confidence that I listen to regularly. Like it's such an old podcast now, but I love it. And even just his voice, like I just fucking love Ed Milet. So I started listening to him and then I found Andy Frisella. And actually, I think the first podcast that I listened to was Ed Milet's interview with Tim Grover when he was talking about his book, Relentless. So then I bought Relentless and y'all, that was just like the start of what my mindset journey is today. Um, You know, as I mentioned in the start, like I think I've always had that kind of open mindset and positive outlook on life. But this was really when my, my mindset journey really started. So then the following year, after I competed that first year, I was like, yep, I love this. This is great. I'm going to do it again. But I needed to work on the mindset side of it. So that's, you know, that's when all the podcasts and the reading started. And then in 2019, I competed again. And that year, I only did ICN. I don't particularly like the way that the A&B show was ran. So I just stuck with ICN and I think I got like a second and first in sports model that year, I believe. But one thing about me is is that when I do something, I go in, you know, like 100%. So at that time I, you know, dieted and reversed and I was just going so hard and going so intense that I was like, I need a break and um, got my boobs done that year. So I was like, I know that I'm going to reverse diet out and be healthy for that surgery and um so i was going to take some time off for that and then kind of at the twen- at the end of 2019 is um when a lot of shit happened in my life um that were not so great and i think in this moment it's not the time to speak about those things maybe eventually but yeah so i kind of became quite depressed at the end of 2019 and then as you know the start of 2020 was a bit of a shit show So I, throughout that whole time, I wasn't being coached and um, at the end of 2020, or maybe mid 2020, I had changed jobs. I'd actually then switched coaches. That was kind of going well. And then I just kind of decided that I wanted to switch to IFBB. That was the look that I enjoyed more. And it was actually a podcast that Troy did where, you know, it was like a questions thing, I think. And someone asked like what federation should I do and he's like do whatever federation that you want to look like and for me that was IFBB so I have even though I did fitness in ICN I feel like I am very much a mix of bikini and fitness in ICN so you know I have like the upper body muscle that's good for fitness but then I don't really have that um that that muscle development in my lower body So I felt very kind of in between and I think that IFPB is kind of like the perfect mix of that and that's the look that I want to achieve. I really love that X frame, you know, the nice big glutes and, um, and, you know, the rounded shoulder caps and stuff like that. So I was like, yeah, I'm just going to do IFPB and, you know, there's always that kind of negative feedback towards IFPB if you are around a lot of people who are in natural federations and, you know, I am a natural competitor and will always be, but just because I'm in IFPB, or, you know, people have said like, oh, you know, yeah, do IFPB if you want to be around people who are not natural. Well, that doesn't bother me because what does someone else being natural or not natural have to do with me? That's not part of my why. That's not why I do this. I do this to push myself beyond my physical and mental limits, not anybody else's. And, you know, I want to have my ultimate physique. So if that means that I'm against people who are, you know, on performance enhancing drugs, then 
that's fine. Like I just, that just means I need to work harder and that's not a problem for me. So, you know, I did kind of catch a little bit of this and that from that. But um, yeah, I mean, IFBB is the look that I want to have. So that's the look that I'm going to go for. So in January 2021, I started with Troy Thornton and yeah, that's been really good. It's definitely like a whole new level. Just his structure and his programming is a lot different than what I had experienced before. And I really enjoy it. I feel like it's definitely more bikini based. And, um, you know, I did a lot of strength based training before and kind of like those power lifting moves and um, getting those weights up really high. And I, I like that. Um, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. I, I don't mind squatting and deadlifting, but you know, I don't do that anymore and I don't really miss it. Like, you know, I love hip thrusting every day and doing those shoulder burnouts and stuff like that. So um, I've enjoyed that quite a lot. And yeah, so started with him in 2021 and was going to prep for, well, I did prep for season B of 2021 and that got canceled. So um, yeah, now I am on my way to compete in April of 2022 so that's where we're at now and that's kind of my my journey so far and I guess my life story if you will so a lot of what this podcast is going to be is you know the things that I've been through in cheerleading and bodybuilding and if you don't have that experience in either of those sports you know this podcast this podcast is still for you it doesn't have to be you know you don't have to be a cheerleader or bodybuilder to be able to listen to this um you know, just relate what I've gone through and relate it to your own experiences. I find that fitness and career, for example, are very similar as far as kind of like the hard yards and the long-term goals that you have and the fact that you kind of have to stick with it and grind it and be consistent. So, you know, anything that you're going through, mindset is just a good thing to have for life in general. So that's me. That's the mindset source. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, please just send me a DM on Instagram and let me know that you've listened to it. Cause I just want to say thank you. And, um, you know, you can share it if you want as well, but you can find me at KLA.Chapman and yeah, thanks again so much for joining me today and make it count.